Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Amy, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation. Into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong. Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to put in Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic, here with one of our usual suspects, Mr. Anthony Slater. Uh, If you're on the YouTube channel watching this fine production, you'll see that we are rocking the Athletic jersey today, looking like company men. Man, Uh, no Fred Katz this week. Uh, Just like showing up at school and... (laughs) <laughs> you know, you got the same outfit. You're like, gosh, which one of us is going uh, on? One of us. I, all right, fine. Just to make you feel a little better, even in your like disheveled morning state, you know, the hair is always going to like set you apart. You have the distinct <laughs> hair just like that. So distinct that that guy, the hype man in OKC, tried to steal your look. If anybody's Not watched OKC, Thunder you're Games. Talking, no, it's oh, Memphis, 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 Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, League yeah. past people know who we're talking about. But Slater's hair is always a thing. Looking good this morning. All right. We have no Fred Katz, but you know who we do have? A show favorite, a favorite in general, and life in general, a man who is is actually chilling on the West Coast for one. I, you want me to finish that intro? I mean, Sam Amick cuts out right there. Still can't hear him. Uh, just replug and plug your Sam mic. Sam Amick should in. not hit the mute button on his mic like a rookie here. Man, Will, I'm hyping you up, and then I drop the ball. Kind of like Draymond and the Warriors last night. Ooh, shots fired. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Will but Guillory. No, I'm feeling good. I'm just mad. <laughs> I didn't wear the athletic uniform. Y'all are talking about coming working the same fitness. Ooh, I feel like we all are supposed to come up here with our athletic hoodie on, but it's all right. I'll try to keep you're up right. with you Will, guys. you're right. You should be a little worried. This is probably the pod where, like, let's be real, like the higher-ups and the managers are going to be like, why is Will not on board? Like, what's going on with Will Guillory? You know, doesn't even rock the jersey? <laughs> well, for the record, higher-ups, I don't have that hoodie that Sam Amy has. So I'm not quite on his level yet. So if I did have it, I Stop probably it. would be rocking it right now. Man, it's so good to see your face. Uh, this is one of those pods, and, and we're going to do a little bit of a light version this week. We are all on the run in terms of time. But uh, one of those pods where it is not really hard to figure out the type of stuff we're going to talk about, guys, because you know that's always the case late in season. We have plenty to dive into. This year in particular is just off the tracks in the best kind of way, particularly in the Western Conference. And so to give the listeners a quick sense of what we're going to get into 
on this week's tampering pod that I will loosely frame as kind of capturing the late season chaos. Um, Slater and I were at the Warriors Minnesota game last night with playoff standings and stakes, you know, in play uh, where the Warriors blow things late against Minnesota. The T Wolves obviously got Carl Anthony Towns back, figuring out all their big lineups. Anthony Edwards uh, returned last night as well. So the Warriors drop a tough game after beating Philly and starting to look good again. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, the Lakers get LeBron James back. You would think that'd be a great thing. Uh, did not get the job done against the Bulls. So I uh, want to dive into the Lakers situation a little bit. But naturally, with our guy Will here, we got to make sure we talk about the Pels. Uh, still no Zion Williamson, but they are playing well of late. Uh, and, and like everybody else in the West, fighting for playoff position. And if we have time, uh, Mr. Schlecht, our super producer, is going to join us for a couple quick minutes on OKC, which is not getting enough love and, and just deserves some shine with young Shea Gilgis Alexander Killen. Um, guys, let's start just because it's top of mind and fresh, and it was last night. Uh, Slater, you know, I, I made the drive like you did to that Warriors game. I uh, looked for most of the night. Like, well, they were they were trailing a lot, and, and you know, Minnesota was doing their thing, and um, but they blow it again, and to do it at home where they've been playing well of late, and just go big picture for me. They get Gary Payton the second back you know he had some good moments like you wrote today uh but a a tough tough loss for a team that just continues to every time they peek their head out and and look like the champs again a little bit something like this happens yeah i mean they've had a handful of these late in games this season where they've literally just given the game away i mean i don't know if you guys remember when they were in utah and they had like a four-point lead with seven seconds left and found a way to lose that game um which was like you know when they do the models of like percent chance that you're going to win the game at that point, you know, it's like 99.9 or something 105. Like yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Last night it might not have been quite that high, but ha- you have the ball 24 seconds left with 21 on the shot clock. Um they're going to foul. You have two, you know, you literally have the number 1 and number 2 free throw shooters in the NBA last season. Um you should close that game out. They do close that game out. I remember a stat earlier this season after they blew another one of these in Charlotte where Draymond postgame said they they had a four-point lead in the final minute and they lost it. And Draymond literally said, I don't think we've blown more than two or three of these over the whole dynasty run where we have a four-point lead in the final minute. I went back and looked at the stat. It was like three in seven years or something like that. They've probably done that three to four times a season now at this point. Um, And... It's and I mean we know what the standings looks like. Let's say those are three wins. Like, you know, you're in like fourth in the West like at this uh, stage and now because you give away something like that. Like if they win that game last night, if if Draymond doesn't just throw it away and Towns is the three, then they're two and a half up on Minnesota and they have the tiebreaker. And then if they beat the Pelicans Tuesday night, which maybe we'll get into the stakes of that game. For sure, they, yeah. They pretty much clinched themselves out of the play-in, but because they lost that game, probably now lose the tiebreaker to Minnesota because of conference record. Um, they're they are in very much danger, and we're now sitting there looking at for the Warriors. It's a six-game season. Every you know, I think a few teams have seven left, but there's a two-week stretch here where everything's on the line, right? You the Warriors could be in the nine-ten play-in with their season on the line two weeks from now, or they if they win a couple, they could be home court. They could be the four in a four-five series against Phoenix or the Clippers. It's pretty crazy. Before I throw it to Will, um, just a little little lighthearted soundbite or you know visual uh, sharing from last night. Clay Thompson's press conference, 
cracked me up because in good times when the Warriors win, he's become kind of notorious for making paper airplanes and having a good time with those. You know, it's a great like symbolic thing of his, you know, clay state of mind, right? Like he he makes the airplane, he throws it across the room. Everything's happy, everything's light. Last night, uh, as he got a few tough questions about the game, Clay is eating granola, and I guarantee you popcorn. this was intentional. Was it popcorn? It was popcorn. Okay, and then the he is I- biting through the kernel. <laughs> well, so this is, and you can finish your story in a second, but I think what happened was he was eating popcorn, so it wasn't coming through the mic very much, but then he, you know, throws back the bottom of the of his little popcorn and you guys know what happens at the bottom of like a little popcorn right right that's where it's right, all right, the right. seats yeah all right it was you're right and he threw popcorn. that all in his mouth and he just started well tell you were there we were both in the room <laughs> tell me if i read it wrong i felt like the tougher the question the more irritated he got by the question the more intentional he was with his crunching of the the popcorn it was like you know clay why why do the warriors continue to struggle in late game situations crunch like you know just this audible response before he would you know it find seemed a way to me to like he did question. one crunch that was like kind of not accidental but you know he he hadn't thought about it and it made a sound that was like I didn't like that question. I was like, <laughs> exactly. And then I think he was like, that was like I liked the way that that sounded. So he just got like, uh, uh, uh. it was weird. It, it was weird. <laughs> but well, let's spin it forward to the, the game Tuesday night because you know your team is playing Portland tonight. Uh, we obviously on this pod don't know the result of that one yet, but they're playing good ball of late. Um, they is it four or five right now? They've won. Does that sound right? Yeah, four in a row. So four, four out of the last five. Sure. Yeah, let's get four in a row. Sounds better. But four, four or four? How about that? Four or four. <laughs> um, they are a perfect basketball team. But you know, another high stakes game against the Warriors. But between that game and an even bigger picture, you know, I, I wrote a couple weeks ago that, or maybe a week ago that, you know, the Pelicans still expected, or at least were you know hopeful, optimistic, whatever you want to say, of getting Zion back before the playoffs if they were able to make them. Uh, maybe that's not the case anymore. I know they had an update the other day. Just, you know, what's going on with your team? And also, you know, Trey Murphy playing some pretty good ball. They're they're doing well lately. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm still <laughs> very pessimistic, but, I, you know, everybody I talk to within the organization, they still very feel very strongly that Zion is going to be back at some point this season. Uh, the, the reevaluation date is going to leave them probably about maybe three games to come back, maybe two. Uh, to come back before the end of the regular season. So he's going to be pushing it there. But, uh, you know, I see him, you know, doing his work on the side all the time. I went to practice the other day and he walked out, you know, in a full sweat. So he he seems like he's putting in the work, trying to get himself right. I don't know if he he's doing very much, you know, on-court stuff. I know the team cleared him to do some on-court stuff. I don't think he's like playing five on five or anything like that. So he's still got a long way to go, but uh, I mean, this team is feeling really good about themselves. And, you know, they, they went through that, that really tough stress where they, they got destroyed by the Lakers at home. They lost that really ugly game. You talk about giving away games at the end. They gave away a game to the Rockets in Houston. And, you know, that was a point in the season where it really could have went bad for them. And I asked them about that after the Clippers game. And they, they were just like, we had to sit behind the scenes and have some real, you know, tough conversations with each other. They had to make some adjustments in the way they're playing. 
And now, you know, they're flying high. They're feeling really good about themselves. And you mentioned that they, they got some really big games coming up on this West Coast road trip. And if they can come out, you know, maybe two and two on this trip, maybe maybe even three and one, uh, they're going to be feeling really good with a bunch of home games left on the schedule. And of course, uh, you know, a massive game against Minnesota in the season finale, which feels like it's going to determine a whole lot, you know, in this playing race. Big picture, um, and, and this is, you know, you got one of those teams you covered that we are definitely guilty nationally of of losing track of for long periods of time, if that makes sense. Like, for me, I feel like I got a good pulse on most situations in the league, and then New Orleans comes through town, and I'm like, damn, I don't really have a great feel for this. Meaning, like, how to unpack even this season from a big picture standpoint. Okay, Zion and his injury history is well chronicled at this point. So how much, if any culpability going forward is the front office going to feel in terms of, you know, Dave Griffin and his future, uh, the coaching side of things in terms of just the mood in the Pelicans room and how they are evaluating things from ownership on down uh, during this season, where, as we remember early on when they were at their best, they were third in the West and we thought they were going to be a team that was fighting for home court. Um, But injuries are injuries and they've had a slew of them. You know, how do you kind of, differentiate that as far as uh, how the analysis is if that makes sense yeah it's just really tough because like you said i mean when they were mostly healthy uh they were one of the best teams in the league when when zion and b uh, I always post the number when zion bi and cj play together they're, they're like a plus 10 net rating they just destroy teams when those guys play together but they've only played like 10 games together the whole season and i think it took them a while to really figure out what their their identity was going to be without zion and then you know getting bi back from a long injury stint it took him a while to start feeling like himself again and i think you know after like i said after that lakers loss and that bulls loss they really adjusted their identity again and now uh they're running Everything through through Brandon Ingram, his usage is through the roof. He's got back to back games with 30 points and 10 assists Uh, that leaning heavily on Trey Murphy. He's looking like, you know, a 6'10 Clay Thompson out there. The way he shoot the ball had 10 threes the last game. And it feels like uh, they just really know how to win now with this group. They got a better feeling on how they should be playing. Uh, They're leaning more in the Jonas Valanciunas. And I think now uh, they're kind of starting to feel like, hey, we did this last year, right? We got help. We got healthy. We got hot right around the plane in time we know who Brandon Ingram is we know Willie Green's a good coach uh, and they're feeling like hey if we can get in to this last stretch of games playing well playing confidently then they feel pretty good about whoever they end up getting matched up with in a potential playing scenario and they they look at it as hey we've been here we know what it's like and if we're playing uh the way we should be playing that they, they can compete with pretty much anybody stay on in that playing from last year, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, like Zion was almost able to come back right around the plane. And then even I remember in that first round Pelican Sun series, like they made it clear he wasn't coming back, but like physically, wasn't he like basically there? Oh, if you ask Zion, he could have played. He wanted to play. He was yeah. desperate to play. I mean, if you remember, he posted the clip of him, you know, throwing down a between the legs dunk in the practice facility. That was him kind of sending the the shot to the world, like, "Hey, y'all, I'm ready to play." It's They're not holding me, me back, kind of thing. Right? Yes, yeah. exactly. So and I think I I asked that because um, they, I mean, it was clearly at a time where where they were really you know concerned about getting his body right, but also he was about to you know sign the contract. 
He's signed now. You're a year later in this, you know, Zion run. He is, again, like coming right up to where he might physically be ready right around the play-in playoffs. Do you feel like this season there will be more urgency and more willingness from the organization to push him back on the court? Uh, obviously, I would assume he's going to want to play in the biggest you know, stage uh, in the sport. But do you think they will be more less cautious, I would say? Yeah, I think so. Just because last year the difference was he hadn't played at all, right? He played zero games during the regular season. He hadn't played basically since the previous season, the empty arena season, you know. So I think this year he hasn't played since January. So he's been out, you know, a much shorter period of time. And I think, you know, coming back from a hamstring is different from coming back from a broken foot. Uh, I feel like, of course, there's some re-injury risk with a hamstring, but it's not as scary as coming back from a broken foot. So I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're not going to be as cautious. They really want to get them out there. And I think after that experience last year, they're going to be less likely to kind of have that fight with him over sitting him out and playoff games. Cause I think that was the big thing for Zion. He was like, man, I just want to play in the playoffs. I want to feel these environments. I want to be in front of these crazy crowds and, you know, sitting on the side. I know that really, you know, that messed with him mentally. And that's something that he's talked about a good bit about just how much, of a mental struggle last year was for him sitting out and watching all of that. And I know he really wants to get back this year and try to make an impact. Cause the other thing is when you look around the West, man, if they get a healthy Zion Williamson back, uh, this team can make some noise in the West. If they get the right matchup, uh, they could be a scary team if they're finally healthy and they're playing confidently going into the playoffs. So yeah, they're going to want to get him back there. They're much more open to putting him on the floor this year than they were last year. And and they feel internally, if they can get healthy, uh, they can do some stuff, you know, once we yeah. get to April. Look, nobody's that good, so everybody's dangerous. It's weird how yeah. the West... Well, is. I was going to say, and that's kind of a perfect <clears throat> place to segue there, Will, that sentiment that you just captured, like, it, uh, let's have a little fun here and go through the West standings and figure out how many teams have that vibe. You know what I mean? And that's what's crazy about the West this year. And with all due respect to the East, we're obviously not going to go East that much today. But the reason is, if you look at those East standings, we know who's elite. You know, it's Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland. New York's fallen off a bit. But there is a clear delineation between, you know, the, the haves and the have-nots in the East. In the West, you know, we all are guilty of continuing to look at Denver and say, okay, very, very good team. But because of the playoff history, we we doubt them. That is what it is. They have to change that narrative the game last night minnesota beats the warriors guess what they had the same vibe that you're talking about in new orleans um the question i want to throw to you guys within that vein is if you look at the west and all the parody and all the teams crunched together you know what team or two teams do you think if if you essentially say you look up and it's the western conference finals and there's a team there that we did not expect to be there you know who are you handicapping uh, because it does feel like that's something that, that we might be seeing in a couple of months. I mean, I think the one that nobody's predicting right now that could sit there and go like, look at our profile. Why is nobody think we have a chance is the Kings, right? I mean, like they're, they're one of the, they are maybe the most consistent team in the West in the last couple of months. Um, and their offense, you know, profiles as extremely elite now maybe they get to the playoffs they you know get slowed down they you know people can kind of uh maybe be a little bit more physical with them but that's a team i think that you know they're gonna have home court in the first round um they're 
you know, and Memphis I, obviously see, too is started to jump in. I mean, Memphis is in that Denver class. We all the drama with them has has kind of compelled. Well, us Memphis to, wouldn't surprise you. We're we're trying to. Yes. Are we predicting that might surprise? Yes, yeah, you're right. No, the Kings are a good one. Continue. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Suns are in the surprise category. We could all see that. Um, we could but even all that see, one is. I mean, I I'm gonna write something on them this week, and I mean, you're right. They fill their own lane. But it is a historically unique lane, you know. And I'm I'm gonna get into this, some of this stuff. Like Clyde Drexler going to Houston is widely considered back in the day, like you know, one of the only midseason trades that that paid off and and you know led to great things. Um, you know, Wilt Chamberlain got traded midseason to the Lakers, uh, you know, and they lost, I think, second round in, in those playoffs. Uh, but we typically don't see. Midseason trades pay off. This is well beyond that. This is not just a Kevin Durant. Rashid trade. in there too to Detroit. Right. Rashid to Detroit. But Durant came and then got hurt. And and I talked to Devin Booker and Chris Paul about this the other day. Uh, if you talk about a player of that magnitude and a guy who was shown through his Warriors days, uh, you know, through his OKC days, like an ability to to play well with all kinds of different other stars, like he's probably one of the best plug-and-play superstars that the league has. And so they might not even need that much of a run-up heading into the playoffs, but they're only going to get a couple of games with Kevin Durant. You know, he's coming back uh, Wednesday, I believe, so a couple if, days from if now. If they went on a finals yeah. run, he would have played something like 20 playoff games and like seven regular season games for the franchise ever. <laughs> like, let's right. say they went on a – so, like, yeah, that that would be pretty unprecedented, right? 100%. So, I mean, yeah, there's there are – dangerous teams in the west not trying to say there's not um but yeah once you get past denver memphis phoenix and the lane it fills the kings are a good one um you know but, I mean, but war- I, look warriors are you know until they're dead they are thought sure. of as a theoretical threat even the lakers thing i know in the media we're guilty of obsessing over the lakers but it did crack me up that it's like they win a few games, you know. Post trade deadline, their moves have been paying off pretty well. They have better depth. They're in top defense in the league, you know. After they got their new pieces, and and so you could almost sense like the media hype machine on the Lakers building, and and people going, okay, now LeBron comes back. Well, well, clearly that's just going to take him to the next level. Well, here comes Pat Bev and his new Chicago Bulls team to to smack him around a little bit, and and kind of you know put them back where they've been most of the season. So the Lakers thing. Certainly, it's it's just one game with that group with LeBron. That that did not look like your surprise team at all going forward. And and I'm not even saying like that, that a Minnesota is, but it was funny to be in their locker room last night and hear this wild confidence from Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert that may or may not have been trolled a little bit on our uh, athletic NBA show group <laughs> podcast. Um, although I'm snitching, I shouldn't. Listen, man, uh, yeah. I love Carl, but he leads the league in cringe quotes, man. Carl, uh, God, I just wish. That's what Carl movies are made of, all. Will? That's what movies man. are made of. Is that what he said post game? <laughs> he said it after his first game back when he hit. Oh, I said, two I, free yeah, throws. That that interview was something. I I might have <laughs> yesterday joked that it should have been. That's what B movies are made of. That's what B. No, movies last are made night of. his comment was he's got to come through in the clutch because that's what he gets paid to do. That's what he gets paid to do is come through in the clutch. But well, he's As not lying. But there's something the about last year when he did not come through in the clutch right, right. several times. Right. <laughs> so I get it. He wants to be better than he was last year. But again, Carl, man, cut cut the cringe comments out, man. You're killing me. He well, will not and, be cutting them out. They were no, delivered with they were delivered, let me add, Will, in case you didn't see the video. 
They were delivered with sunglasses indoors as well. Uh, just a, I did a not very, see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I really... But it's not just him, Rudy. I, and I get along oh, with Rudy. Rudy like Rudy, Rudy's... Yeah, I mean, Rudy had a line about how we've got bigs who can get out and guard on the perimeter. It's like, damn. Okay. You know. But, <laughs> but it, this is tis the season in the West. Everybody still feels like they got a shot. No, we said it. Everybody in the West feels like they've got a chance. It's wide open just because everything we said, Phoenix with the injuries, uh, Memphis has their drama going on, plus injuries. Denver, we're just, you know, everybody just kind of tossed them to the side, even though they've been the one seed basically the entire season. Uh, so I think everybody, once they the, the playoff seeding finally gets settled, a, a lot of these teams are going to feel like they got a chance. And we know what the Warriors they're like Jason, you know, you never feel like they're done. You you can <laughs> you can blow up the building, you, you can set them on fire. You, even last night after they, they blew the lead, Carl hits the three, Steph throws up that one-hand three-pointer from the corner, and in my head I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going in because that's just the Warriors. They find a way to just make some type of magical thing happen. So you, you feel like it's going to happen until it doesn't. Uh, but uh, I just think – you know, when I look at Minnesota, I, I as much as I've on these pods, I've made fun of them all year for the Gobert trade. I, I still don't love the Towns plus Gobert fit. But when you watch them play and the size they can put on the court uh, at all positions, that they can be really dangerous if you catch them in the right matchup. Like last night, watching them against the Warriors, the Warriors just look really small against them in certain matchups. When you got like McDaniel's Garden. Uh, Jordan Poole, and you got Torian Prince and some of these guys chasing around stuff. It feels Edwards, like, man. Edwards is a pretty good defender, too, you know, when he's yeah, engaged. Sure. And he's typically engaged. Slow-mo. I think slow-mo yeah. is super underrated. He made obviously play made the a game. big deal. Uh, I think he's been excellent for them this year. So, yeah, I think that's a team, if they catch the right matchup and they put all that size. And we got to shout out Naz Reed, too. I mean, pay oh, yeah. that man. He's having an he's incredible season. Averaging 19 a game over the last six. They're playing these double big lineups with him and Gobert, him and Cat. Uh, you know, I, I just think uh, that they throw out a ton of size, a ton of skill. And, you know, if you catch them on the wrong night, uh, they're a very dangerous team. And it feels like there are a lot of teams in the West we could say that about. How about that final score last night? I mean, 98-96 in 2023? <laughs> I mean, that's a third quarter score. Right. Uh, yeah. No, At I agree. Golden State too. You know what was the last yeah, time yeah. Golden State got held to ninety-six points? Forty-one second half points for the Warriors. Uh, they could be tricky on a you know uh, on a particular night, especially now that they're healthy. But you know, I think we all agree they're going to probably get in the wrong playoff matchup. They're going to be you know played to a point where they can only have one big on the floor, and then you know the house of card kind of crumbles. That's what I think. I think that's probably what we all think. But yeah, they're intriguing at least. Before we uh, we go to our next topic, we're going to get a break here in a moment, but uh, I always like kind of sharing lighter moments from the locker room. We, we talked about the Clay Thompson press conference. One thing last night I did not anticipate or expect happening is young Anthony Edwards, who I don't really know. I think I met him before. We, I said hello yesterday for a quick minute. <clears throat> Excuse me. What I didn't expect is he does his media and, and by all accounts in their locker room, he's, he's just a really good-spirited guy. And, and I think culturally for their group, uh, that's going to be great. Uh, by all accounts in their locker room, he, he's got a great personality, positive guy, joyful guy, and, and his spirit, I think, is, is appreciated and, and you know great for their locker room. Um, so he does his media, and, and he's happy because he's back, and they won the game and everything. And he was very excited to get to Sacramento, which is not something that a lot of opposing players say. 
uh, because true to form, because this has been a thing this year, this season, is that, that Ant likes some of his his different foods, right? Well, there's some wings apparently up in Sacramento, and I'm the guy who lives up here. Uh, I did not expect to be getting like restaurant recommendations from Anthony Edwards. He was telling uh, one of the beat guys, Chris Hine, who does a great job, like, Chris, these, these wings up in Sac, you know, I think it's Fire Wings. We'll give him a free shout-out on the pod. Um, actually, you know, that's the name of the restaurant, Fire Wings. He's looking on his phone. He's just like, they're up, you know, they, they're open till 2 in the morning. I, I'm assuming he's going to get, you know, Uber Eats, something like that. But but he was fired up to get to Sac and, and get the uh, the best wings out there, apparently. But, they yeah, again, they had a good vibe, um, and we'll see what they can do. Uh, all right, on the other side he of the also, break. Before you break, I know he's also said, and I think he went on an Austin Rivers podcast, he said the road arena he likes most is Sac because he always like lights up the rim. He feels like he can't miss in Sac. So we will see. They're playing tonight. Big game. King's trying to make the I know. Play. I would hype that game, except that we, the pod can't account for it. But it will be interesting because they could spoil the King's party again. They, they made him hold off on the playoff uh, clinching last night. They could do it again tonight, but obviously can't really have that talk. Uh, let's have a little OKC discussion on the other side of the break. We're going to welcome in our OKC-based super producer, Andrew Schlecht, to talk all things Thunder. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. All right, gentlemen, uh, I'm very guilty of... Uh, this season on the pod of not giving enough love to the thunder. Uh, and we need to correct that a little bit at this moment. He uh, tried they... to trade Shea Gilders Alexander yeah, in November. It's true. Wow. It's true. I sure wow. do. This man. No. Wow. I do love though, like jokes aside from a reporting standpoint, when you, before I throw it to you, Andrew, like mm-hmm. when you learn things, when, when the thunder and the Clippers did their Paul George trade, um, and this is not, no one's rewriting history. Like in the moment, the Clippers 
like openly told reporters who were asking about their analysis of the trade, they admitted that like we really, really wish we didn't have to give up Shea Gilgis Alexander. That and you know from Jerry West, obviously the guru who works with the Clippers as a consultant, you know on down to their front office, they knew he was going to be good. Now, if they knew he was going to be this good, they don't do the deal. Um, because you could, I mean, they're in a better spot than the Clippers, you could argue at the moment in terms of like momentum and vibe right now when it matters most. Um, they have won nine out of 13 games. Um, Shea in particular is just not, I mean, beyond balling out, these are MVP caliber numbers. There's only, what is it, one, two, three, four, five guys in the league, him being one, averaging at least 31 points and four rebounds a game. Might have heard of these guys, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard, and then Shea. Um, Andrew, you've been there kind of front row all season like you have been last few years. Um, you know, what's it been like? What are you thinking, and, and how good is this team? I th- I think they're a good team. I think their defense has been probably been the most surprising thing is that they're a top 10 defensive team at the moment, and a lot of that is just through scheme. Uh, they They don't let teams play in transition, and they try to play super fast themselves. Uh, they, they have no big men, essentially. I mean, they have backup bigs that are playing starting position. They have, I mean, they'll close games sometimes with Josh Giddy as their biggest player, and they just swarm in the paint. You'd think like a guy like Jonas Valanciunas could like feast on the Thunder. Well, the Thunder have taken it out of his hands every single time. He gets like one or two post-ups a game just because they swarm this guy. Um, so... They're good. Now, how good are they, I think, is a question because the rest of the West has been falling apart all around them. And so they have stayed in the mix, certainly, uh, but they definitely have some pieces that they're missing. Like They're missing Kenrich Williams. I think that a guy like that would make a pretty big difference for them right now. But it really is all about Shea. I mean, the jump that he's made just in points per game has been ridiculous. And to me, the biggest difference between Shea last year and this year, or even two years ago, is just defensively, he's just different. He cares. You can tell that he's scouting the next team really well and that he wants to play against the best players and he wants to match up with them. He did that against Devin Booker the other night in Oklahoma City, and he wants to see how he measures up. And right now he leads all guards and steals and blocks in the NBA, and he's, uh, he's been really impressive. Now, he did turn his ankle last night in Portland. He played through it, but like as we know, you'll know more today about that ankle than you do last night about it. So that could be a pretty big one. Schedule coming up though, right? It's like Hornets, Pistons, somebody. They have yeah, it's Hornets, Pistons, back to back in OKC, and then they have Pacers on Friday. So yes, it's about as light as it gets, but ask the Mavericks what's that's like. (laughs) You know, these teams are these teams are still frisky. And the thing is, and Mark Degnall was talking about it last night. That's a little bit more about the Mavericks than the Hornets. (laughs) It could be. It could be. But the thing about these teams. You're right. Yeah, these teams at the end of the season, they're playing with these players that are fighting for their NBA lives. And so you can't just mail it in. And that's what I think the Mavs did, like especially defensively, they just mailed it in. Luka and Doncic is uh, is the mailman right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Thunder have mailed it in too this season, though. The Thunder lost to Charlotte earlier this season in Charlotte, and it was one of those like, all right, you got to go to Charlotte and win this game. And so 
you wonder. I mean, this if they can win these next three games, like the Thunder are, are going to make the play in. Like that's going to happen, and that's a that's a pretty crazy statement to make. I, I thought by now they would have been the team tanking in Portland, and that Portland would be going for you know the tenth seed, and it's the other way around. You guys I mean, Slater remember. alluded to it earlier. I just got to take a few minutes to, you know, just own. We got to own our mistakes in this business, right? Like, we spend a lot of time flexing when we get something right. I did write that Shea Gilgis-Alexander was a guy that was being monitored, and that part's true, yeah. that, that other teams were watching his situation closely. But, the you know, the, the entire premise was clearly faulty, which the premise was that they're going to be so bad again that people are going to wonder how long he's willing to put up with it. Andrew, of course, had already beaten me to the punch and was like, well, Sam, I tell you what, why don't I sit down with the man himself and ask him? And you had a good interview with Shea where he expressed patience and expressed confidence. Um, but to see it bear out in this kind of a way, I certainly didn't see coming. Um, you know, and, and we didn't even talk about Jalen Williams with an EN that you know is now in the Rookie of the Year discussion. Yep. I think he's going to get some love there. Uh, Mark Dagnall. You know, is going to get Degnault. I got to stop you, Degnault. Everybody says Degnault. it wrong because the broadcast says it wrong. Everybody does it. The broadcast is. Bl- thank you for blaming them. It's not my fault. No, no, this is the yeah. broadcast's fault. Everybody does it on the broadcast, even though he himself says it's Degnault. It's like, come on, it's it's a it's going to be it's going to continue to be a big problem, but Degnault. Understood, but that's it. Speaks to the lack of respect. We can't even respect yeah. the coach. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> His own home broadcast doesn't respect the coach. Right. I know. It's crazy. You mentioned Jalen Williams, and he's been one of the reasons why they've been able to be this good, is that he can fill in whatever position you want him to. He'll play backup point guard for them. He'll play on the wing most of the time, and he'll play small ball center. And he's pretty good defensively, but offensively, he cuts really well off ball. He can handle on ball. He'll set screens. I mean, he'll do pretty much everything. And he's crazy efficient. He's shooting 70% in the restricted area uh, this year, which is just ridiculous for a player um, that plays on the wing. So, yeah, he's been he's been a big part of it. You guys and kind of the, the thing ahead. that's been on the front of mind for me is, like, like we've talked about, Shea hasn't just been a great player. He hasn't just been a great scorer. I think he's been a great leader for that team. And he's kind of yeah. embraced being the guy with the C on his chest for that team, a team full of young guys. Uh, but I think kind of at the front of mind for me when I think about what they're going to look like in a potential playing situation is when they played the Lakers the other night. And I think the Lakers were really focused at the end of that game of being like, OK, anybody but Shea is going to beat us. We're going to force the ball out of Shea's hands. And I think when I think about them in a do or die situation, Andrew, what do you think is going to look like if a team says, all right, we're removing the ball from Shea's hands and we're going to make some of these other guys beat us. How you know comfortable do they feel with Josh Giddy, with one of the Jalen Williams, Lou Dort making plays in big situations? Because we know Shea is great and he's one of the best fourth quarter players in this league. But in a big game situation where the season's on the line, I can't see one of these teams allowing Shea to take them out in a fourth quarter situation. Yeah, you don't feel good about really any of these guys right now. They're so young. I mean, Josh Giddy's 20 years old. Jalen Williams is a 21-year-old rookie. Honestly, the guy I think you might feel best about is Isaiah Joe, who's had an, an amazing season uh, himself. He had five threes last night in Portland. Like If the ball hits his hands and he's open, you feel pretty good about him shooting the ball. Giddy, if he can get himself going to the basket, 
is good, but I mean, if you're the, if you're any other team, you're just packing the paint against the Thunder. I mean, like if you want to beat the Thunder, pack the paint, double Shea, and then like make. And, and the thing about it right now is like Lugan Stort is their most aggressive offensive player. He's also finishing like fifty percent at the rim. I mean, he's been really, really bad. Andrew, since we're doing the like, make sure we put some respect on OKC's name. Yeah. Segment today. Does Lou prefer Lou or Lou Gantz? Lou. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, but Lou when Dort. Andrew talks about his Teach uh, shot percentage at the rim, it is Lou Gantz. Um, <laughs> but you guys remember uh, a couple, it would have been the first year of the play in tournament. Uh, the Grizzlies got in as the nine, and then they yep. beat the Spurs in that like nine, 10. And then they went to Chase Center and yep. beat the Warriors, surprisingly, mm-hmm. and got into the first round. It actually won game one in Utah against the one-seed Jazz, uh, and then ended up losing in five. But that was like the start of what Memphis is becoming now. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, is like where the Thunder are and wh- what this season could be if they like cap it off right. You know, like really fight to get in the play-in and really you know, try to get out of the play-in. Get yourself a first-round series. Try to steal one on the road in a hostile environment. I would say the the Thunder parallel to this is the Durant-Westbrook really young Thunder as the eight seed, getting yep. two games from the champion Lakers from Kobe and Powell and getting a standing ovation. At, remember when they lost game six? Yeah. I'm sure, Andrew. Yep. Uh, that whole, you know, that was like the 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 origin of that era. I think or this season last has, year the Pels taking two off of Phoenix, right? Yeah, in the first yeah, round. that's a good yeah. one. Um, I think this season has the chance to be the one where maybe three seasons from now they're contenders, and you go, well, like we got a lot of chops from that one, you know, playoff series. Yeah, we lost in five games, but it taught us a lot. So, I mean, how much organizationally is that like the mission right now? Yeah, I mean, Pressy talked about this after they is actually right before they traded Westbrook that they wanted to make an appearance. And not like or they wanted to make an arrival, not an appearance in the playoffs. And so they didn't want to just like go get some guys and like try to just sneak into the playoffs. And it's part of why they let that Chris Paul Gallinari team with Steven Adams and all those guys kind of let them go. Uh, they want to arrive as a young, threatening team. And I think you're right. I think that this it's probably a year ahead of schedule. I think a lot of people would have thought that maybe they'll dip back into the lottery one more time. And that then the following year that they would make this hey, arrival. The, the, yeah, the but Durant that, Westbrook was a year ahead of time, right? At least they definitely were. Yeah. Definitely were. Yes. But that, that, don't you think, Andrew? <clears throat> excuse me. And I'm gonna let you guys keep going after this. I got to bounce. But don't you think that that speaks to? I mean, I joke earlier about what I wrote early in the season. To me, around the league, that was why people were monitoring it so much. Because if it yeah. if they didn't arrive a year early, the question was like, where would Shea's state of mind be? Let's say they they go out and win you know twenty three games this year, um, you know he's the love that they're going to get is going to help the mood in an incredible kind of way. They're going to have most likely all NBA uh, you know presence, coach of the year votes, uh, all defense votes. Mm-hmm. You know they're going to be represented all across rookie the board. Of the year. Yeah, yeah, rookie, rookie of the year, hundred percent. Um, you know that and Chet that, Holmgren arriving next season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You also oh, have that. Way. I mean. Yeah, he's warming up before every game, like every road game, and now he's warming up before home games in front of the crowd. And so, yeah, people. But are obviously, that question of that. Shea and like, can he be patient is is behind us. Like, yeah, like now he's part of a, a, an up and coming program. Yeah, it, and it was a valid question to begin with for people. Of course, he should be monitoring this. He's one of the best young players in the league. He's only twenty four years old. If there's no guarantee 
that the Thunder are going to get this thing off the ground. I mean, if Josh Giddy has made a leap, we didn't know how good Jalen Williams was, especially with Chet going down. It's like, okay, now like, what is this team really? And they've they've unearthed some guys. I think Kenrich Williams being as good as he is, I think helps. I think Dort being as stout as he is on defense helps. But it's really about Shea's emergence, Jalen Williams, and then Josh Giddy has has been better. He's been better shooting the ball. He's been better as a scorer. You know, there's a lot of ways that he's improved. Yeah, we also didn't know how good Shea was. You know, I think part of the reason yeah. I think that he was considered on the block is I think it was like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's nice for the Thunder, but he's kind of like a maybe a two or a three on a team. Right. Get mm-hmm. him elsewhere to be, you know, if he's in, you know, if it's, you know, in New York, let's say, you know, as part of that, like Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, core, okay, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. But he has shown like, no, I can be like the one A on this Thunder team. So, it's to the yeah. point he has played. Forget all the other guys that are playing so well below him. It's like, why would you give up that type of talent? Yeah, yeah I don't I think mean, even the most optimistic OKC fan would have considered him a potential first-team All-NBA guy. MVP vote. I bet he gets some like fifth-place fifth MVP votes. I mean, Will, I don't know if you would put him in that category. Yeah, I think he's right in the conversation for sure. He's right there. And I think he's definitely right there for first team all NBA. And again, it speaks to not only just his play, but his leadership for that team. And uh, there's no way they're supposed to be where they are right now. And that's, you know, mostly because of Shea and the way he carries them night in and night out with the scoring and the way, you know, he comes up in these clutch situations. We mentioned all the awards. He's going to get some votes for, what is it, the Jerry West Clutch player of the year. He's going to be up there for is that. Is that award going to be well. hyped? Is that like, are you guys going to be like, oh, wow, like who's going to win? I just this? want like, the uh, the pick no. of like, remember the pick of Russell Westbrook looking over uh, KD's shoulder at the MVP? Yeah. I want Shay to get the trophy and I want Jalen Williams over his, his shoulder yeah. looking to be like, I'm going to be the clutch player of the year one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the leap that Shay made is pretty insane. I mean, he went from 24 points per game to 31. And that, that's a hard leap to make. And I know that a lot of people may say, okay, well, this is the year where everybody's scoring 30. Well, it's only six guys. And the company that he's in is pretty elite. Sam mentioned it earlier. One, and one of the big things to get him there is just the free throws. I mean, he's shooting 10 free throws a game at 90%. And that that has been a part of the leap. I mean, that's an extra three points there. And then... It's just him getting to the basket and just finishing with crazy efficiency. I mean, I mean, Andrew, when you watch him, he is relentless. He he just goes downhill every single play. It's nonstop. If, when I watch yeah. him, it reminds me of Zion, just the way you know exactly what he wants to do. You know he's trying to get to the rim, and you still can't stop him. He's so physical. He knows how to use his body. He knows how to get fouled when he's getting in. He just, he just doesn't stop. And we, we've seen, you know, for a few years, where he'll, he'll settle for some of those step-back threes or he'll pivot and shoot a fadeaway. But this year, he's just putting his head down and just going directly at defenses. And it's impressive just how he just doesn't stop. He just keeps yeah. coming at you. And, and that's a big part of the jump he's made this year he as well. Also, he also does it in like a non-fatiguing style. You know, he's not – I mean, you know, and that, that franchise knows with Westbrook the way it was just like relentless downhill. Not only, you know, are you potentially tiring yourself out as you're doing it, but – you know how many crashing missed layups, and this is not just a Russell Westbrook thing. This is a yeah. John Morant. Name your downhill guard, yep. even Zion mm-hmm. at times. You're kind of falling into the stanchion, and then it's five on four the other way if you miss it. Yep. Um, 
Andrew mentioned their transition defense. I think part of that is like, you know, Shea, like when is Shea like crashing into like the, you know, photo bin at, you know, because he's going into the rim like that. Nah, he's always kind of under control and then he can get back. I think that yeah. matters too. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned his leadership too. Uh, I think Sam Amon could learn a little thing from that. You know, he dips out. He's forcing us to close. I guess I'm gonna have to close out this podcast. Uh, Sam not gonna get clutch player of the year. That's for sure. No. He's not. He's not yeah. closing it out in the fourth. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. We will talk to you next week. Uh, gosh, play. How how far away are the playoffs now at this point? Like two and a half weeks. Playing's like two weeks yeah, away. Man. Essentially, it's right there. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, the West has a mini. Like it feels a little March Madnessy coming up for the West, you know. It's like the, again this Warriors Pelicans game on Tuesday night, like massive seeding stakes. Just last week, Warriors Mavericks felt like winners the probable sixth seed. Warriors win that game, Mavericks tailspin. Now it's like, are Mavericks going to be eleventh in the West? Like, are the Mavericks even going to make the play? And I don't know. Um, so, all right, I'm rambling on. We will talk to you all next week, where I we'll, we'll probably have a little bit more sorted out in the West. Maybe, maybe we won't maybe. heading into the, the final four. <laughs> no chance. No chance. I think yeah, it's going to come probably. down to the final day. It's really going to come down to the final yeah. day, and that's where we're going to figure it all out. Well, I think the Warriors would take that because they're in Portland on the final day, and I think Portland is just <laughs> yeah. shoveling wins to people right now at this point. So, uh, yeah, we will talk to you again uh, next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.